Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Kroll, and today... I'm joined by Chris Beasley and the news that Everton have had four points given back, Chris. We are live now on the Royal Blue YouTube channel, on the Everton FC, the Echoes Everton FC Facebook page. We're going to stick with this for as long as it takes. Chris, you're with us now. We're also going to be joined by the Echoes Everton FC correspondent, Joe Thomas in due course. But Chris, just your initial reaction to the news that broke this afternoon. Yeah, like I say, you know, I mean, it's big breaking news, so much so that Joe's still writing another article before he joins us. He'll be in with us soon. That's how, how quickly it's come about. Um, yeah, we've been waiting and waiting for this, haven't we? The um, the, the appeal um, was for over three days at the end of um, January going into Feb. So what we're on today, 26th of um, Feb. We've been waiting almost a month now for, for this to drop. And just every day it goes by, every match day it passes, you, you wonder when when it's going to be coming, but when when the moment actually came, it, it came quickly. Um, there have been um, sort of um, various um, sort of signs beforehand with the initial um, points deduction and then the, obviously the second um, charge at Everton have still got to, to face. Um, um, the, um, there was information about that coming out beforehand, but really, I mean... Uh, Joe just heard something and then uh, we, we had all everything ready and yeah, within like 10 minutes or so, it, it was there, like you say, um, four points um, back, um, moves Everton instantly up the table, of course. Um, they were just uh, following um, the Saturday's one-all draw with Brighton Old Albion, so close to a victory, of course, but that put them a point above the drop zone, um, above Luton Town. Now four points better off. They go above both Nottingham Forest, who, like I say, also face that charge, that Everton face a second charge, and Brentford on goal difference. Brentford go to West Ham United tonight, so they've got a chance to, to go back there. But, yeah, I mean, what it does significantly for me, it means that... Um, it's no longer the the uh, the biggest um, points deduction in English top flight history. It's still obviously a hefty old chunk there, um, six points. But it means I think even before you start going into the ins and outs of the case, and Joe will give us more details on that because he's currently been looking at the reasons behind why this new decision has been made and what the the second independent commission have have come to their um, conclusions. Um, it means that is is now less than the nine points that Portsmouth received for going into administration back in 2009-2010. And I think that was a big point for everyone, really, the fact that it was a greater penalty than that, that without even knowing the ins and outs of the case or reading up on it, I think even a layman could see that that just didn't feel right. Just a bit of housekeeping then for those yeah. watching live on the Royal Blue YouTube channel and the Echoes Everton FC Facebook page. Please give us a like, give us a share, give us a subscribe. Please drop your your opinion and your questions in the comments. Uh, I'll put it to Chris. We'll try and answer them. Um, if you're only just joining now, it's just me and Chris for this moment in time. Chris has been writing a couple of pieces up regarding, you know, this breaking news. Yeah. And Joe Thomas, the Echoes, Everton FC correspondent, will be joining us in due course. He's just writing a couple of pieces up. And like you said, Chris, he'll have a, a little bit more information on, on what this means. You know, he'll probably be able to go into the fine, find the detail of... of uh, you know, the sorry, I thought that was him. I <laughs> yeah, I thought he'd be able to go into the finer details. So, yeah, Chris, let, let's carry on then. I mean, yeah. just obviously, you give your reaction here, but are Everton still being treated harshly here, or 
is there some relief? Yeah, um, I, I think that um, Joe's going to come back with those um, details about what, uh, like um, the actual reasoning by, behind this. You could say it was, it was harsh because Everton have um, argued all along that they felt that this sporting a sporting sanction was inappropriate for the, the crime and in inverted commas that they'd uh, been found guilty of in terms of financial fair play breach. There are other options open there, and it could have happened at the appeal, but obviously didn't go that far in terms of. Um, a transfer ban. I mean, you could actually argue the merits of whether a transfer ban would actually be more costly, possibly, than Everton than a points deduction. Certainly, the reduced one that they, they've got now and the nature of the Premier League this season. Um, given that, um, like I said, if it happened last year or the year before, Everton would really would be in trouble, and possibly again if it was to happen next season when you maybe um, got stronger teams at the bottom but yeah um, that was another option um, available the um, another sort of n- uh, non-sporting punishment as it were on the field punishment in terms of they could have gone down another route they've obviously felt that um, a lot of the issues discussed in the, the first uh, independent commission um, still stand but I think an important one for Everton and what they've said in their club s- statement they feel vindicated in their decision to go to appeal now obviously they've got the four of those ten points back and uh, the um, the original independent commission's um, conclusion that um, they'd not acted in, in good faith, that's been um, overturned as well. So I think Everton felt that was an important um, point of principle from the point of view, whatever the wrongdoings that the, that the club have um, been found guilty of, that, that, that this idea that they, they weren't helpful in their approach. They feel they've always been transparent. Obviously, there's been a... a, a Different opinions are just about what the, the numbers add up to and uh, where everything's coming from. But um, yeah, definitely the club have actually used that phrase, an important point of uh, principle for them. But yeah, you could say it's, it's it's still a harsh one. I think I think other than Portsmouth off the top of my head, I think it is like the still the the heaviest penalty ever after Portsmouth now so there's certainly nothing else above that certainly in terms of the top flight I know there's obviously been harsher punishments handed out in the lower divisions but what it does is I think it will provide um, you'd hope a timely boost because what has been a tough period on the, the pitch for Everton obviously in the immediate aftermath of the first deduction and they had the defeat to Manchester United. Then they went on to that four game winning run in early December really sort of moved um a fair bit clearer of the relegation zone, but it's been tough times since um, over two months now without a pre- Premier League victory. And uh, we thought that was Joe. And never anyone comes to the door, we think it's Joe about to burst through. But yeah, I was just saying, it's over two months without a Premier League victory. So I think to get four points in, in any day, I mean, it's obviously any more you could get in any single match day, but it, it's it's, it's got to be a bonus. But I'm sure the, the debate will rumble on and on. I think there's a lot of people still think it, it is unfair. And, um, I was speaking to a former Everton player earlier and he'd asked me to keep him in the loop when the news dropped. So I, I let him know and because he, he thought the whole original decision was scandalous. And, you know, he says it's better than nothing, but he's, he's still um, not pleased with the fact that these non-football people are just deciding the, the fates of Everton and all these teams. So that debate will no doubt rumble on job. Yeah, but it gives more insight in terms of just what the reasoning is behind this, this latest decision. And of course, we know as a whatever happened with this verdict was always going to shape the, the second one. But I think there's still a, a case to be said that Everton were harshly done um, by Keith Wynas, the club's former chief executive. Um, he always had the feeling, he was always bullish about it. He felt that it, Everton's appeal went well. They could potentially get all the points back. I mean, that always seemed rather optimistic. But, I mean, if, you, if you're unhappy with the way that the Premier League have gone about this or with their independent commission, I suppose that was a possibility. But, yeah, and in the end, they've fallen somewhere in the middle, haven't they? They're obviously getting four of the ten. Well, the, the comments are coming in thick and fast, so I want to try and get through as many as possible and answer as many as possible. So we'll turn to some now, Chris. So yeah. Lisa Billington on Facebook mm-hmm. says, so it's better than nothing, so players need to concentrate on the pitch now with pressure, not on them. I mean, she's, she's absolutely right, but we're going to come on to this as well, but we've also got the, the issue with the second, yes. second verdict as well. So although... It's a little bit of relief just looking at the table there myself. Yeah. Seeing Everton, you know, 15th in the table. Again, we're going to come on to all of this. Yeah. It's just like, oh, well, that, that's nice. Five points ahead of the, the drop zone. But 
the pressure's still going to be on either way because we're not out of a relegation, but this relegation fight whatsoever. No, um, like you say, the second one is key as well. But it was interesting because what Sean Dyche has been saying in recent times, certainly before this one, in his um, pre-match press conference for the Brighton game, he always felt that there was a problem that it was an immediate deduction. Back in November when it happened, the points were taken off straight away, and he felt that you know with Everton going to appeal that that um, that shouldn't have happened. They should have waited to see how that one happened. So maybe only today he'd be happy with that because they've had the verdict and it's gone to appeal, and that's where they that's where they are now. Whereas you know, obviously with the ten points, it really had them in the thick of it at times. And like you say, they're still certainly not out the woods um, in terms of the the, the way that the, the, the table is. But, yeah, I think oh, you just got to hope that it, it provides a much-needed boost for a, a team who's been struggling in, in, in recent weeks. Like I said, they've not been awful, but, you know, they just haven't won a Premier League game for a long time now. There's a lot of draws in there, a lot of battling performances where they've come from behind. Obviously, Saturday was a reversal of that, conceding right at, at the end. But just hopefully given that boost now to go into that West Ham United game, because they've got to start saving themselves, got to start the fight back on the pitch in terms of picking up more points. And you just hope that all that sort of lingering doubts have been in minds and the, the weighing down that the 10 points had, hopefully getting four of them back can just give them a bit of a shot in the arm and a bit of a boost going into the, these next fixtures. Do you think Everton will be happy with this result? Um, I, I think that they will. I think I don't know if they're ever going to say... Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're made up. No, no choice in the matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, um, they've said they certainly what they have said, haven't they? In their statement, is that they feel vindicated by going to appeal. Um, I think that that was uh, the, the right thing to do. They said from the off that they were going to do that, and they they have got the um, some of the points back. I mean, I don't think you're ever going to get it on the record that their actual thoughts on this. And I know that you know privately, well, not privately, they you know they 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 have said that they feel it it was um, it was excessive and uh, it 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 didn't fit what had, had happened. But I sup- I suppose quietly. You know, you see some kind of victory, not a total victory, it's still less than half of the full total that was taken away, but points which were earned by Sean Dyche's team on the pitch. I mean, given all that's gone on, I, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like say, say it was a, a partial victory and it would take some satisfaction from this. It's just all how it plays out, obviously, with the second one, because they've already gone on record as saying they feel it's unfair that the, the time period over the second charge, three quarters of the time period covered is already covered in this one. So that's um, the fear that, you know, this idea of, of double jeopardy that you get punished twice in, in the same season. But yeah, I, I certainly would I, would, I would describe it as a partial victory at least. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Blues on YouTube are regular. Um, watch it, listen yeah. to it, comment it on our content. Says happy to get the happy to get back four. Yeah, but I still don't think much has changed. Changed. We still await the second charge, and our players still aren't very good at scoring goals. This idea that the pressure is off is now crazy to me. We just kind of touched upon that yeah. with, with Lisa's Lisa Billington's. Um, Lisa Billington's comments as well. Yeah, they, they said that they're certainly not pressure off. It's certainly not a, a great position to be to be in. I think the problem is in just the way the, the, the team's form. Like I said, of late, the performance hasn't been awful, but just going that long without a win. I mean, I, when the original ten points dropped, as awful as that was, I felt this Everton team was still strong enough to to, to stay um, in in the Premier League. And, and with those points, with the full 10 on, they, I think even now, after going so long without a win, they'd still be 13th and they'd um, still be just below um, Fulham in, in the table. But yeah, it is concerning in that the, the, the way the team have been playing. Let's just hope, like I said, that this partial victory as such, getting these four points back can actually 
galvanise the players in, in, in a way, give them a bit of a, a boost. I mean, they've always sort of reacted in a way that you'd expect them to do to say, no, we don't, it's not on our minds and we're just focused on the task at hand. But it's, it's inevitable, it has to be. It, it, it can't not have been over these last couple of months or so. Um, thinking about that, I mean, draws a line over the first one, but as both of our... Um, um, Listener struck viewers have said that. I mean, yeah, it's certainly it's it's not over yet, but and it, well, at least it brings a certain amount of clarity for the the first one, which was always going to shape the second. I mean, what we're just getting a couple of questions yeah. in about why Everton have got the points back. So what, why has it gone from ten to ten yeah. to six? Yeah. So what what's your understanding and yeah. of why Everton have managed to yeah. regain? You know, yeah. four points. Yeah, um, Joe's going to come in with more detail about that. But what I can say is, from what I've I've seen so far, uh, the general consensus seems to be that the the first independent commission were correct in most of what they found about Everton in the case. But what is felt that they got wrong was um, the actual sentence, as it were, as well the actual amount that the, the, the amount that they did punish them by. So. Joe, correct me if I'm wrong here, but he's going to have the finer details on this. But a lot of those points do seem to have been upheld. I said one of the ones which has changed is obviously this um, this idea that Everton didn't act in, in good faith and the club are delighted that that one's been overturned, like I said, this point of principle. But they, it seems that they, the the major flaw or the, the, the problem that they've had is the actual the length of the sentence. I don't know how much has actually changed in terms of the actual case as such, but like you said, going from that 10 points down to six points with getting four points back is because it, they felt it was too harsh. And like we've said all along, you, you don't even have to understand. It's a very emotive case. People are going to have strong emotions on both sides, but a lot of people don't like know the case in detail. They've not read all the, the pages on the documents. I know Joe Thomas and Gav Buckland, our regular contributor, they've been very diligent with this. They've gone through it with a fine-tooth comb and know the, the ins and outs of it. But even without knowing those fine details, just the idea that Everton get more for a single financial breach than a club got, i.e. Portsmouth, for going into financial administration, that just didn't sit right. So ultimately that was... Um, the, the the second independent commission's verdict. I've not actually seen the personnel involved. I don't know if Joel had that one. Obviously, it came out who was on the original trio. We know it was a new independent panel, new set of individuals were on the second independent commission. But it's not like there's a huge pool of people who were qualified to, um, to be on that panel. So um, I imagine at the top of that um, that report, it will say who was actually involved this time around. But they decided that the original commission just got the. Uh, the, the punishment too too harshly as it was they, they didn't engage that correctly so that's why it's not gone down to zero like Keith Weiner s- suggested that um, see Everton brought in a very high profile KC to lead their, their legal ch- um, appeal this this year and uh, but it's, it has gone from from ten to to uh, to six because uh, it was felt that it, that was too harsh this time around. Back to the comments then. So yeah. Alan Cheng on YouTube says, what do you guys think about the psychological effects of all, of, mm-hmm. all of this? If they had given us six points originally, perhaps the team would have been under less pressure for the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm sure they would have been psychologically. I mean, it would have been a big blow for them because I think certainly as a player, you're going to feel hard done by anyway because whether it's one point or it's 10 points or four points as it's now... Um, and... Well, four points getting back still um, um, six, just trying to keep all my numbers. So they have, um, yeah, you, you feel hard done by as a player because you've earned those points on the pitch. Those Ever- those Everton players have earned those points through their efforts on the pitch this season. And what's happened is they're being punished for something they haven't done whatsoever. It's not even something that happened this season. It's something that people within Goodison Park's corridors of powers. I've been found guilty of doing um, a couple of years ago now because it, it related to uh, the 21-22 season, didn't it? Um, when actually, ironically, it was a Burnley team who were managed by Sean Dyche for the uh, greater part of the season with him getting sacked on Good Friday. Uh, they were the ones who, who missed out that season, got relegated. So the current Everton players have been hard done by and it's nothing to do with them and they've been punished. So it will be wearing heavy. I mean, it's going to be tough it's been tough on the fans but certainly for those players who have earned those points yeah if it had been a, a lesser one to start with maybe they wouldn't have uh, been weighing as heavy on it I mean how do you quantify it anyway and um, whether it's six points ten points you're still gonna be feeling 
um, bad about it. But uh, yeah, that it'd be just interesting to see, like I said already, whether this can have some sort of psychological boost now in in the coming weeks. Now that it has gone down, okay, it's not been it's not been wiped, and uh, they're still not in the position they they would have been. But you know, it's better than it's been for for a long time. And like I say, getting four points in one day after what has been a, a tough period for the club, you've got to hope it's it's a positive for them. I mean, there's, we can't comment on other club situation, no. but they're obviously we know Nottingham Forest are going to be in a similar situation. Yeah. What, do you, what do you think they're thinking now? We've just had a comment from yeah. on YouTube from James Barris. Yeah, apologies if I've, if I've um, pronounced that wrong. Mm. But he says I think Forest are pretty well up to proverbial creek without a paddle. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Um, well, what what they would what we were always going to know from this. Is so we haven't had the first one and then the appeal, and then we go to the second one, which is actually the first charge for Forest. But then they'll obviously get a, a chance to appeal, so they it's the, the scope there. But there's two very different cases essentially. I know they've both been charged, but um, Forest is a lot more simple. I mean, if you try to explain to somebody who doesn't know the situation just whatever and have done wrong, it would actually be quite difficult to say. You could say, well, there's a certain uh, losses that you're allowed and they've deemed to have gone beyond that. But you could actually see a lot more tangible what Forrest had done. Forrest had got promoted for the first time in, was it 23 years, back to the Premier League and spent lots and lots of money in like one or two windows on lots and lots of players. Was it something like quarter of a billion pounds and over 40 new players? That's quite easy to see what's happened there and whether it's right or wrong. And they, I think they sort of dispute about when they saw Brennan Johnson or whether they, they would have... Um, been within the parameters over when he was sold. They could have sold him for less, but they hold out. They held out to get more for him, um, and they claim that's why they're being done. I don't know the ins and outs of their case. It's a very different case to Everton's, whereas Sean Dyche again, like the player, has been left picking up the pieces here. He said in his press conferences that there is no sporting advantage. We've seen. We know how much even Farhad Mashiri himself has admitted in the past Everton have not spent large amounts of money wisely. That's a direct um, quote from the one-to-way um, majority shareholder, which, you know, when he came on and apologised to the fans in the summer of 2022. We know they spent all that money in the past, but certainly these last couple of years, they've cut the cloth accordingly. They've really reined things in, in terms of the spending and the amount that has been... Um, Brought uh, spent uh, spent in transfers imposed to the amount that there's been recouped in sales. Obviously, there's been those massive sales of Rashalos and Anthony Gordon last January. Um, I suppose um, opposed to the amount of money that has been spent. So they're two very different cases. Um, I wouldn't like to say, and I certainly wouldn't want to speculate on on Nottingham Forest. What I would say is it's a very different case to the Everton one, but. Whatever happens, I mean, there's always a chance that that one goes to appeal, and, and for both of those clubs, and it just has to be sorted both for Everton's sake and everyone in the Premier League's sake before the end of the season. I don't think you can have a situation where the final ball of the season is kicked and we don't know definitively either way. I mean, that's that's poor. But we're still we're still on course for that, though, really, aren't we? When yeah, you think about yeah. it, yeah, it's great, you know, that we've got a decision now. I don't know whether great's the right word, but it's yeah. it's a relief that we've got a decision now. Yeah. Either way, we've got the four points back. Martin Cummins in the in the comments on YouTube made a, a very good point. And I'm gonna to refer to Everton's yeah. statements here as well, which obviously they've released after, you know, this this breaking news this afternoon. So Martin Cummins has said none of this would have happened if there was a set um set in stone rules in place. Yeah. I mean, whether it was, you know, points deduction, suspension of something transfer ban and everything in their statements have described the 10 points deduction in the first instance as, as inappropriate. Yeah. So we're obviously now down to six points. We've got four back, but really there's still no, there's no, nothing set in stone to yeah. say why it should be six really, is there? Yeah. I think that's one of the big issues is there is no clarity is there? there's no, like you say, uh, guidelines. And I think that's one of the um, things that people have called for now is just to, to have clarity over this issue because we don't know what's happening with Evan, don't have no forest, and just going forward so everyone stays within the rules. I mean, I mean, look at the rules are changing, yeah, aren't they? yeah, they're changing again anyway over the summer. So, and in, in terms of Everton, like a test case, Everton almost been caught in the crossfire. People like Andy Burnham. The lifelong Evertonian, who's obviously the murder greater Manchester, he's been a, he's spoken out a lot about this, and he 
and he's talked about the fact that um, he feels that the Premier League are desperate to be seen as being able to control their their own affairs, but they need an independent commission to come. Sorry, not an independent commission. That's been the name of the board who's been doing it, but an independent body, a regulator to come in and uh, police this um, on behalf of the clubs and the Premier League rather than the Premier League doing it itself. I know they will say it's an independent commission, but it's one who's picked from, from the pool uh, of people but yeah there, there isn't any sort of um, like you say ever uh, it's set in stone actually clear guidelines about just what are the punishments what what are, what is happening and like you say they're changing again over the summer so it moves again and that's even before we get to Manchester City and there are 115 charges I mean there was a lot of people got upset and I can understand why when Richard Masters went on record when he was speaking and, uh, you know, we're saying how we treat all clubs the same way as small clubs and stuff. And obviously that went down but as well as when Rafael Benitez made this small club remark. But it does make you wonder, are Everton being picked on? I mean, Phil Jagielka, the long-time Everton captain, he did speculate about that. He says, do the Premier League actually want Everton relegated? You know, the way they've gone about this and uh, just no clarity in the way that they, they were operating or they, they, they keep punishing you and punishing you. And that's the thing with the second charge, isn't it? This idea of double jeopardy till you're in a point where you just can't um, survive because something else gets thrown at you. So, yeah, it's, it's, you, you don't you don't know because, like you said, there's no clear guidelines. There isn't. A list. I think what we're probably getting to now is that at least that if nine points for administration, that it's got to be less than that. But uh, beyond that, there doesn't seem to be much clarity uh, at all in there. Let's have a look at the comments. Mm-hmm. Paul Kempton on Facebook says, again, this is, you know, speculation. How does this affect the second sanction? Are any of the findings important regarding their reasoning? I mean, this all goes back to whether this. This double jeopardy yeah. situation is going to write mark you. Here he is. Here he is, right in the middle of the Royal Blue podcast live. This might be a good point for him to step in, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay? Yeah, we've been going for 28 minutes. Oh, God, and we No, no, absolutely fine. Um, Joe Thomas has just joined. <laughs> you can see him on the on the feed now, on the stream. Joe, obviously just been updating our listeners, our watchers on YouTube, Facebook, yep. regarding the situation as much as we can. But really, you're the man in the know of everything <laughs> at this moment in time. You know, we know you and Chris have written a couple of pieces. We've had a lot of questions in that I've put to Chris. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of relief with regards to looking at the table now. Yeah. It's still not great. We know we're in a relegation battle. But first of all, just your initial reaction to the news this afternoon that Everton have been handed four points back. Yeah, please, please, but not surprised. I think throughout this process, um, probably the most substantial argument that we've all had is um, how disproportionate this penalty felt. Ten points, the most severe points deduction in, in an English top flight history. And a point where I thought that it was always, you know, I've always put two to four. And I'm not alone in that. I appreciate that. But the fact that it was more severe than administration, um, which if a club goes into administration has so much more of a detrimental impact on so many more people and businesses and other clubs within the football pyramid, that it's far, to me, it's a far more serious matter than, you know, this serious breach by you know, nearly twenty million pound of of of, of losses um, of spending limits even so it always felt like a sensible and we didn't know if we were necessarily going to get this obviously we all dispute what sensible is but it felt like a sensible appeals board would at the very least reduce it to beneath nine because what else could they do because seriously like I mean the first panel had put no explanation for how they've got to ten in the first place without that but even you know, without that it was difficult to judge but. You still couldn't really see how it could be deemed as more severe than the, the, the administration to so being reduced beyond that. So, so I'm pleased because of that. I think that they've seen a degree of sense, um, and obviously it goes a long way to improving Evans' league position. And I think that you know, look, five points clear the relegation zone. Everton aren't out of trouble yet, and we know that there's a second pay, a second um, case coming on this. So we can't be naive or complacent to the possibility of a further points deduction down the road. We can't rule that out yet. For this season, do you think? For this, oh no, def- definitely for this season. The second case will be dealt with this season and if there's any points deduction, whether it be for Everton or Forest who also face an allegation, it will be this season. Um, so Everton go back to a situation where there's still going to be a cloud of uncertainty hanging over them for the rest of the season or at least until until that case has been 
dealt with. But this is obviously a significant boost, particularly for a side that's failed to get a win in nearly two months. It moves them up the table. It's just that kind of, that context, that backdrop, that cloud that we've all been had over us whilst we've been trying to assess the implications of the last minute equaliser against Brighton, of not beating Crystal Palace last week and some of the other results that they've had just eases the pressure a little bit. I think this will be welcomed at Evan. It has been welcomed by Evan Football Club. They're still assessing it. They're still having to think about you know how happy they are with with, with the four points, but they're they're happy from the starting point. The four points is coming back. Um, it'll be good news to Dyke. It'll be good news to those players. Like I say, I was, you know, speaking to Jar Brownthwaite after outside the dressing room the other day, speaking to Dyke about this at Finch Farm the other week. It's clear that it's having an impact on the players. It's clear that it's adding an an added degree of pressure. On you know, which we've seen on those performances, such as that disappointing one at home to Crystal Palace. So I think it'll be it's a result that's welcomed by most people, and I think there'll be a, a significant degree of, of 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 relief. I think at Everton. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It makes the task of approaching this, the rest of the season a bit easier. Obviously. Still only five points clear for relegation zone. Still a threat of another penalty. Still got a lot of work to do on the pitch. But it might just reduce some of the pressure a little bit. It might free up the players a little bit more to perhaps go in. Yeah, they might find it easier to be a bit bold and to go for some of those positive results that they need to do what is ultimately the aim and always has been the aim for this season, which is to confirm Premier League survival as early as possible so that Kevin Farwell, however little money he might have to spend, can start planning and start rebuilding this squad in the summer to start properly consolidating on the on the progress that Dyke has made this season and so hopefully put Everton on a positive long-term trajectory. Before I come back to you, Joe, yep. we've had a comment. Someone in the comments is absolutely disgusted with you that you've only brought yourself a cup of tea. Oh, serious? Yeah, sorry, it was made by me. It's <laughs> made for me, sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. It's a good point. cordial. That's it. So, yeah, that's, that's fair. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Joe, just in your opinion, then, is it still... Is it still harsh, this punishment of what is now six points? Or do you think, are you, are you relieved that we've got... I mean, I'm relieved that they got anything, to be honest. Yeah. Look, we, we've, we've said for a long time, we're writing this last year, um, yeah, Everton has, has been a dysfunctional club that hasn't been run very well for a long time. We're dealing with an unprecedented situation. We've never been through one of these profit and sustainability cases before. So we don't know what we're doing. We know there isn't a lot of sympathy for Everton from the Premier League. We know there wasn't a lot of sympathy from for Everton from the first panel that decided on that. And we know that the second panel, the appeals panel, is obviously going to come from a similar cohort of people. People, if they're doing their job correctly, legally minded people, it should be able to take away from the emotion of this and just look at the facts. And it was difficult to see how a second panel would find substantially, find that the first panel, people, like-minded people looking at the same information, it's difficult to see how they would find a completely different, um, uh, a completely different conclusion, a diff- completely different verdict on, on the same information. So I think that, yeah, again, we've said this all the time, there was never a scenario that was likely where Everton would get 10 points back. There was never a scenario likely where Everton would get a different type of punishment. It was always going to be a starting point of the hope being that points are reduced and then maybe maybe points are reduced but they're suspended or maybe it's a reduction in a transfer ban alongside or something like that. That was where the uncertainty was. But there was never a point in this process where Everton were going to have a points deduction after the first one gave them 10. So on that basis, I think more than anything, I'm, just, I'm, I'm relieved that something positive has happened. Um, could it be more well look I think when it comes to having a look at this breach and I mean obviously I've missed the first half an hour of your discussions but what's quite interesting about this case is the second panel disagreed with the vast majority of Everton's arguments so whilst obviously this is a success from Everton most of the arguments it put forward, you know, those ideas that we've discussed that largely around mitigating factors, this belief that Everton were unfair, well, Everton were dealt a harsh blow by unforeseen consequences when it came to things like Russia's in, invasion of Ukraine and the impact on sponsorship agreements, um, financial technicalities around interest on the stadium and how that was being put together, and also the wider issue of the fact that Everton would try to do a good thing, which is regenerate a deprived area for one of the biggest regeneration projects probably in Northern Europe, the, the idea that they should get extra leeway because of that. This panel 
waved away pretty much all of those arguments. Like, like the first one. Yeah. When the, the, the second panel, the appeals yeah, panel, yeah. waved away pretty much all those yeah. arguments. They didn't come around to any of Everton's thinking on a lot of those issues. Where they found favour with Everton, where they agreed it was more on the technical stuff, it wasn't necessarily the numbers. It was two things. One... It didn't believe this. This panel found that it was wrong for the original panel to accuse Everton of acting in bad faith. So within the, within this case, there's an argument over interest on loans that Everton say were used to help build the stadium. Premier League uh, has had a look at the documents. The first commission looked at the documents. Some of the um, some of those uh, contracts were drawn up with commercial loans, specifically said that the, the money wasn't going to be used on the stadium. So the first commission found that the money that was being used on the stadium was Mashiri's. So it wasn't acquiring interest because it was coming from Mashiri. So therefore, there wasn't interest that you could take away from the yeah, profit and sustainability calculations to, to reduce the losses. Evan disputed that initially, saying that you know some of the that they were getting interest on commercial loans and some of that money was being used towards the stadium. Um, then obviously once the documents were looked at, it didn't corroborate what Evan was saying. The first commission looked at that instance and said that was Evan acting in bad faith because it basically changed the information halfway through the process. Um, this one said that wasn't the case. They they, they believe there was, a, there was a weird discrepancy in the first first in the first commission where on the one hand it accused Everton of acting in bad faith, but on the other hand it also said that Everton's breach wasn't cynical or deliberate. Obviously there's a natural contradiction that I think we all picked up on in that point. But basically on that case, the appeals panel has agreed with the club, so the, so the club wasn't acting in bad faith on this technicality, te- very technical issue, but the, but the appeals panel has basically said it was accidental. It was an accidental breach. It wasn't on purpose. So therefore the aggravating factors so are something that might have, might have put the you know, the punishment from six to eight or eight to ten or whatever that that falls away. So that's one of the reasons that the deduction's been reduced. Um, the second reason, and again, you know, I started off when I came in here a few minutes ago by by, by saying this was a point I think we all had sympathy for was when you looked at the other benchmarks, the other punishments, both in the Premier League and the English Football League, for where we had written in rule books set points penalties for wrongdoing. This felt harsh, and that was the other element in which the uh, the appeals panel agreed with Evans' representatives on the fact that when you looked at lots of other different types of punishment, including the nine points that you get for administration if you go into, into that whilst you're in the Premier League, then 10 points is harsh. So what this panel found was legal errors were made on those two grounds. Um, you know, the accusation that Evans acted in bad faith over the interest payments and um, in relation to the... the the, the severity of the punishment and how that was disproportionate to other punishments um, that were available you know, that, that that have been set out in the rules. So that's where this this panel agreed with Evan. That's why it's it's not a case that Evan are now innocent and no one you know, the club wasn't even arguing as innocence. What the club was was saying is that it was harshly treated, um, and the new panel has had some sympathy for that, and that's why it's gone from ten to six. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of questions now, Joe. On you know. We've obviously got this decision, and there's a an element of relief saying to Chris, I just, I just looked at the table here just oh, before, yeah. and it obviously does look a lot better. Fact, yeah, of course. It's clear, and we'll come on to that a little a little bit more. But there's obviously this second decision now. So, what what what's your your take on that, and how that's going to impact Everton for the for the remainder of the season? Because we're not we're not even expecting the first decision on that now till what spring really? Yeah, spring. So I mean, and there's potential if Everton were to appeal for it for the case not even to be over before the final game of the season. And obviously, Nottingham Forest are going to go through the same process as well. You know, look, I've I've, I've been through the um through the findings documents. Uh, yeah, I haven't read it with a fine tooth comb, but obviously. I've, I've, I've looked over it and it's difficult to kind of take too much from that that will go into the second case. There are a few hints that um, I think it would be, I think it'd be fair from what I've read so far to kind of take some positive, you know, take some hope from it. Like they talk about trends, they talk about financial trends from, from the club and there seems to be a bit of an acknowledgement within this ruling that Everton were moving towards a more sustainable trajectory by the end of the period it was under scrutiny. They basically say, look, obviously the process that the ten, that the six points now six points um, penalty comes for was was the process of three years, four years if you include the, the way the two years were amalgamated for COVID, but the period in question ended in the summer of twenty twenty one, and what this appeals panel was saying is actually in the twelve months 
leading up to that point, there was evidence of, of better, more prudent financial activity from Everton in the transfer market. At least it said that the problem was that for the for the years before that, the years preceding, it had been so bad that they couldn't say just point to one year and say we can we can we we can say there's a clear trend that is um, that the club's moving in the right direction because they only had they had you know, a couple of bad years, then one good year. Well. That, based on what we think we know about the next one, yeah, maybe that might offer some hope because the club would say it's carried on in a positive trajectory. But what we don't really know is because we haven't seen the finances for the year that the second breach is on is. And that second breach includes um, the summer of spending under Frank Lampard. So that one transfer window in the last four or five, when Evan did actually go and spend or commit to spending a significant amount of money, we don't know how that's going to be interpreted and what that'll, we, what, what that impact. We know the Premier League looks at that badly. We know that the Premier League's position is that Evan had a couple of bad years. Then there's the first year, then there's the last year of this, which which looks positive. But then we know the Premier League looks badly, unfavourably on whatever and did in that summer, which is under scrutiny in the second case. Whether an independent panel will come to the same conclusion, we don't know. I feel like just sticking with this, you know, second decision. I know we don't know too much about it, but double jeopardy is just going to start trending over the next couple of well, weeks. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's the cliche that you know you're in all these movies. You can never be tried twice for the same crime. Mm. I w- are we in a situation with that with this, or is that just completely out of out of play? Honest answer is I don't know. Okay. Honest answer is I, I genuinely don't know. Look, um, from the outside looking in, it feels like double jeopardy is a significant threat. You know, it feels like we because we know obviously what was happening in the transfer window. Even even though we know the Premier League look unfavorably on the summer spending under Frank Lampard, we do also know that within the same 12-month period, you have the sale of Anthony Gordon in that January. And you also have a few other deals that come into fruition. I think that was the year that the Moise Keane move to Juventus finalised. There's money coming in for that as well. We know that in that year, there was a significant amount of money had been taken off the wage books. So again, that should help Everton as well. Um, it looks, without knowing the numbers, it looks like... It's easy. It looks like there could be a scenario where Everton breached again, but they breached because the problems caused in the early parts of the three years that being assessed were so severe that no matter what they did, they were always going to breach. And if that's the case, that they breached because of what happened in the years that have already been considered for this punishment, then there's double jeopardy. Of course, there is. You would think at the very, very least that would lead to a reduction of the of the penalty for breaching it. Um, you know, because that would be a significant mitigation. The fact that they would say, Evan would say, we've already been punished for several years of this. Therefore, how can you even begin to get to 10 or 6 or anything like that? What we don't know is, because we haven't seen the club's finances, and just to reiterate, I think we we will agree that the club hasn't been run particularly well for a significant amount of time. What we don't know is there isn't any mad numbers lurking in there that might make for worrying reading. What we don't know what the Premier League was saying to the club during that summer when Frank Lampard was signing those players. So, you know, we can't rule anything out, essentially. Um, so I don't know the strength of that case. But from from the outside looking in, it feels like je- double jeopardy could be easily be a significant issue. The only thing I'd say in, in to counter that is double jeopardy is such an obvious accusation that would be labelled at the Premier League for, you know, for this process that you would think they've taken that into account when it comes to, to all of this. So. I mean, but... I think we've done a pod in the past where, you know, regular guest and contributor Gab Buckland has, has even said that, you know, they didn't even have, you know, things written down in place for punishment for if, if a team breached for one season. There's definitely nothing in place for if a team has breached for two two seasons, certainly no. in a row. So it, it's going to be an interesting one. It's obviously one that's going to rumble on. I mean, Joe, Everton have clearly now the blueprints for this profit and sustainability mm you know, case, ruling, whatever you want to call it. So, Nottingham Forest, they're obviously, we don't know too much about their case, but they're obviously in a similar situation in terms of they're facing charges. Mm. They're down with us at this moment in time in a relegation battle. Surely they're going to be nervously, you know, awaiting. Yeah, they would have been been nervous before this anyway. Um, uh, They might take a degree of hope from, from this because obviously they've seen the penalty reduced. Um, it's difficult to know how theirs is going to be assessed. I think financially, I think in terms of a numbers-wise, I think their breach is going to be more serious. Um, and I also think that the big problem that they've got is the in the first case for this, and one of the reasons why it was seemed in, in, the, in the first in the first case, 
Evans' first case, in the First Commission's report, the First Commission didn't find that Everton had breached profit and sustainability rules cynically. They said that it was basically it was an accidental breach. It wasn't a cynical breach whereby someone was essentially trying to buy players and spend money to almost outrun the sanctions. You know, we'll, we'll spend so much money, but we'll move so high up the table that even even though we know we're going to get hit, the punishment won't be as bad as the benefit for spending the money in the first place. It feels a little bit different from, with that from Forest. Obviously, they didn't have a test case before them. But they signed a hell of a lot of players when they moved into the Premier League. Over forty players. Over forty players, and they would have been. They they, yeah. they should have been aware of profit and sustainability rules. So, yeah, whether there's an, whether there might be a movement towards saying that that constitutes a cynical breach, that might be an interesting one. Where it's different for them, and where we have no idea how the the commissioner hears that case, will will assess them is. Part of the reason for their breach is two of the years were spent in the Championship. So how? What mitigation will the Premier League? What, what mitigation would the independent commission give to Nottingham Forest when they say there was a degree if we had to spend because we got promoted and yeah the, the costs, the overheads just become so much more dramatic that some of this was unavoidable. In which case you'd say, well, the Premier League is just a more expensive league to be in, so that might offer some mitigation. Um, and then yes, yeah, so and then the other thing that Forest will probably argue was, and again, there is a degree of. There is a degree of fact in this. If you remember that Forest side that got promoted, a huge, huge, huge number of those players were were, were on loan or coming to cut deals that were at the end of the um, come to the end that summer. I think if they'd have entered that Premier League with the people that were still on their books come the the, the first of July, they, they they would have struggled to field an eleven players. So there was always going to be a degree to which they would have had to have sought players, but obviously, you know how close you are to profit and sustainability rules dictates how many people you can spend and what you spend that much, how, you know, how much money you spend on bringing them in. Um, but you know, it, I would be worried if I was Forrest. Um, and I just think that, I mean, from Evan's perspective now, they move above Nottingham Forest, don't they? And that's that's a good place to be. And I think the target should be do everything they can. The, the, target, the first target is obviously stay above that dotted line and don't finish in the bottom three. The second target is to try and, you know, get yourself as far ahead of, of everybody else, but including Forrest as possible. Because, I mean, you would like to think that if Evan finished, say, if Evan finished, if, if if there were four teams beneath Everton and one of them were Forest, after they've had this, with Evan with the six points, you'd like to think that Forest might get some sort of punishment and that you'd be disappointed if Forest were to get punished. But then Evan's second punishment was to take them, you know, was to be even harsher and take them below a Forest that they finished above in the league. Um but again, we, we don't really, it's so much uncertainty. It's stupid. It's ridiculous that we're talking about this type of thing, isn't it? Of course it is. I think that, um, you know, again, something that we've written and said for a long time, it's a, this isn't a process that has stood up to scrutiny particularly well, is it? Like, um, you know, I think changes would be needed as a result of this year because it is becoming fast. It's been a fast for the months that Evan have had an asterisk next to their name. It's going to continue to be a fast until maybe even after the last balls kicked the season. Yeah, I mean, hence me and Chris talked about the, the, the change in the rules anyway, aren't they? You know, it, for the, we don't know when it's going to come in place. I assume it's starting from next season, the Providence and Sustainment. Well, they're still the talking rules. about it, yeah. aren't they, at the minute? So, um, but obviously they know it's not fit for purpose and, and they obviously realise that it's it's detrimental to the product of the Premier League itself as well. Yeah, I'm not sure about that, to be honest. I think that actually they think that increased financial regulation is will strengthen the Premier League and a lot of what the changes that they're discussing are to move the Premier League in line with UEFA, so with other European clubs, which makes it then easier for Premier League clubs that are fighting in Europe to comply with the rules that everyone else in Europe doing. So, you know, I, I, I think the Premier League is only moving towards a situation where it thinks financial regulation is a good thing and the heart and the stronger that is, the better for the product and the integrity of it. But what they haven't done is I think through their, the process that they already have in place and the way in which they've handled them, Evan being the, the core example of, of that, of course, but even when you look at the kind of, you know, the length of time it's taken for any progress on Manchester City, for instance, then, you know, I think that what the Premier League has failed to do is, is outrun the move for independent regulation. Um, so, yeah, they will probably lose a degree of control over, over that because we'll see independent regulation come in to some extent. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 
I'll come to you on this then, Chris, because I yeah. do find it, obviously Joe d- does disagree with me to, to an extent, but I do find it a fascinating debate. And, you know, no, you know, it was the lowest amount of transfer fees paid over in January, yeah. wasn't it? Is the profits and sustainability real not detrimental to the to the Premier League? What I just, what well, interested well, on I just thoughts? think what happened is I, I, I reckon the, the rest of the Premier League got spooked by what happened to Everton. Um, the fact that they seemed nothing was set in stone, like we were talking about the regulations, you know, getting more than what a club got into administration. You see that, that one of your teams has been deducted the biggest um, sporting sanction in 135 years of um, English top flight football for a single financial breach. And they're like, ooh, we don't want to be going there. We don't want to go anywhere near there. So even if they were maybe in past years would have spent a bit of money in January, they just thought, well, we just better not do this year. We just err on the side of caution and whether that would... I think they were like... I've seen um, Arsenal were linked to uh, Amadou Anana, but I just didn't want to go there. I mean, they had other priority areas, and in the end, a, a lot of the teams just didn't spend or didn't spend anywhere near amount as much. I, I think they were just genuinely concerned with what had happened to Everton and has still happened to Everton to a, to a lesser extent now, as we said, there's a second breach um, to, to, to be looked at there. But, um, yeah, I just think that they, they, they decide to err on the side of caution. I mean, you could say, is that a good or a bad thing? Are clubs actually um, living within their means a lot more? Are they unwilling to push the envelope and t- take those risks that might get them into trouble. Maybe that is that is a good thing. I just think they were, they were gen- genuinely looked at the Everton case and it was a direct consequence of that. I mean, spending was down across the board and it probably would have been down even without Everton, but I just think the fact that what happened to Everton just made so many other Premier League teams uh, err on the side of caution. Does it, does it not hurt the Premier League product if teams aren't able to bring in the best players though? I think it's the same across the um, the, the board, really, because, I mean, we're in a position now where Premier League teams can outspend um, most of their continental counterparts. Anyway, when I, I grew, when I grew up, I remember for a long time, and it goes beyond when I, when I was young, for, for the best part of the second half of the 20th century, the Italian clubs were always the ones who had the record transfers. I remember the Pope speaking out when um, AC Milan paid thirteen million for Lentini, and uh, they, they saying it was you no, know, it was like an insult to hardworking people in, in the early nineteen nineties. So it was always the case that Italy had the most money, and then you obviously had Real Madrid and Barcelona in, in Spain were the, obviously the big two in terms of getting whatever players they wanted. That's changed with the Premier League now. You've got to a position where sort of middle ranking even lower ranking Premier League teams can still spend more than a lot of the the European um, counterparts. I'm not concerned on that score that all of a sudden the Premier League isn't going to be the place to be and other teams are going to be able to um, spend um, more than them. Um, But I think that um, it it, it would be good if, if... you know, clubs are, you know, not, not overstretching and uh, just hopefully what comes out of it is like, say, clear, clear the guidelines and just help um, f- for teams who, who who are getting themselves in those positions that they, they, they don't um, put themselves in, in, in those bad positions. Because like I said, for in many ways, Everton's been a test case. Joe, we've had a comment from Joe Thomas on Facebook. Wow. Not the same Joe Thomas. He says, he's just on his phone then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> he's asking himself questions. <laughs> he said, if we deny the second charge, will that not delay any potential penalties Penalties as per Man City? No, um, because I think at the end of the day, the, the Premier League submitted the numbers. So Evan submitted the numbers to the Premier League. So the, Premier League, the numbers will be there. They're either above £105 million for the three years or they're not. So it's it's almost... That almost won't be the argument. If, if, they're, if they are over it, then... It'll probably be a case, it'll be a, a case of similar to this process argument over mitigating factors. Okay, well, just on the, on the table, mm. we've got you know we played Brighton, decent draw, obviously disappointing that we conceded in the yeah. last minute, but we played West Ham this week, so basically getting this getting these points back takes us up to fifteenth, twenty five points, five points ahead of Luton, who have a game in hand. Does that give you know everyone, the players, the manager, the fans? A massive boost going into that West Ham game now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's it just obviously it takes a degree of the pressure off. You know, the the danger, yeah, the noise. You got a couple of games grace essentially before you would, could end up in the relegation zone. I mean, I know that a lot of been, has been made over Luton's form recently, but 
you know, it's also a side that, albeit they led at halftime against Liverpool, they still got hammered by them. Um, yeah, they still didn't quite get a point against Manchester United. They, they gave them a, a tough game. They still failed. You know, most notably, they failed to beat Sheffield United at home. Um, so, so look, that five points is a long, long way. And and I think that it brings you know adds pressure onto Forest and Brentford pressure that they weren't necessarily feeling a couple of days ago. Um, so they've got to start, start sorting themselves out together. It just puts Everton more in control of the situation they face, and and that's. Yeah, it's it's impossible to uh, to, to understate the value of that. You know, that, a little bit of of breathing room there is 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 crucial. It will give everybody a boost. And I think that when you look at the table now, obviously the points is one thing that, that that's key. Obviously, it's massive improvement there. But yeah, you know, we we've recorded a podcast earlier that you know, won't go out ahead of this now because it's been superseded, but. Yeah, for all that you can say, okay, Everton haven't won in nine league games, and that's a problem. You can also flip that around to they've drawn five of them. Yeah, they've been competitive in most of those games. They've only lost one out of six Premier League games so far this season. They're in most games, and they're you know, they're keeping a lot of clean sheets, and they're very hard to beat. And almost an element of vindication for Deitch in the progress Everton have made. When you look at the table now, is you see how significant the um, the goal difference is. You know, the reason Everton move up a couple of places is because their goal difference is miles above, so you know, miles better than some of the teams around them. Um, and obviously, we know that that can be crucial at the end of, at the, end of the day. And that's because this is an Everton side that is difficult to beat, and even when it does lose games, it's not very often it gets hammered. There's only really been Wolves and um, Aston Villa in relation to that twice this season, and you compare that to some of the worst parts of last season, the season before. It's a completely different kettle of fish, and it gives us all hope going forward that they can. This is an Everton side that can build on the points that it's got obviously you know it's still missing six <laughs> you know it's just it still should be a lot higher up the table really um but you know if, if Everton had its 10 points back then I would probably be looking at the table to the two wins away from confirming safety and obviously they're not going to get the 10 points they've got four points back but you know again it does just move them close to much closer to whatever that magical total is going to be at the end of the season and again you know such as um Burnley and Sheffield had the way they're struggling. It is only one team that's in danger of, of catching Everton, isn't it? So, and so there's only, there's only there's only one place up for grabs. Like you take Luton out of the equation and Miles ahead of the other two, so it's not just a case of Everton worrying. Yeah, Everton, you know, Luton could catch up with Everton, but they they still got a chance of staying ahead of others and pushing others into that trouble. So it's just a massive, it's just, it's a massive boost. You know, I think that we'd all have we'd all. We'd all have been, we'd all have left Goodison last Monday and the Amex on on Saturday with still feeling frustrated and still feeling rightly frustrated at the missed opportunities, but that the the missed opportunities are far less severe when you um yeah when you add some of those points back out onto the table. So, I mean, Chris, it is a completely different outlook looking at that that table now. So West Ham coming up on Saturday, which no doubt we will preview on Friday. But mm-hmm. you know, even a win against West Ham. You know that's effectively nine points back. I know it's not back, but you know it's nine. It's nine points within, you know, within that week. Yeah. And it it just would it would just galvanise the club surely. But then you you got to look at on the other hand as well. We just need to get as many points as possible because again we don't know what's around the corner with this this other second charge. Yeah, I need to. I think um, we've talked on the field matters. It's the home form they need to sort, don't they? They're going into. To March with just the the three Premier League home wins all season that needs to be improved. But yeah, in terms of West Ham United, I mean from an Everton point of view, you got to hope that the the Hammers uh, do the business against Brentford tonight because obviously if Brentford get anything at all, they're they're back up above Everton. But then they they overexert themselves doing that. And David Moyes when uh, obviously come to to Goodison a bit tired on on Saturday. Hopefully they galvanise Goodison Park and with a determination to to get a, a positive result and. Uh, First uh, three points in the bag uh, and on on home um, turf since is it is it the Chelsea game because was it, is it Newcastle came first so yeah um, uh, it it it's a, it's a crucial week isn't it for Everton again we say this all the time but yeah it really is now obviously we've we've had the the, the verdict today and the, and the result there and it's you know I suppose if you go go out of any week with. Um, with um, seven points better off than than uh, you were that's a, that's a that's a hell of a difference. 
just to finish off then, I'll just read yeah. out some of the comments because I know you guys have got plenty more to yeah. do. I've got plenty more to yeah. do. But Dave Mack on YouTube says it's farcical. West West Ham survived relegation directly due to signing ineligible players and with fines. We've received a totally disproportionate penalty. Do you agree? Is that? Yeah, well, look, you know, yeah. There are, there are, there are lots of arguments along those lines that we can kind of, we can point to, obviously. Another one being that... You know, six six clubs tried to absolutely destroy the Premier League and the sporting integrity of it by by leaving for it. Well, not leaving, but by joining a another competition that would have taken priority for them and and had a massive impact on the English football pyramid. And and you know, we we saw that they got away with you know with 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 paltry financial um, settlements that haven't even been fulfilled yet. So. Like I think there are lots of different occasions. Obviously, the Premier League has been going for for three decades now, and there are other cases we can point to, and you can perhaps say that Everton have have been treated harshly when you look at some of the others. I think what the league would say is that punishment and and regulations and punishment, are, you know, are an evolving process, and you know, in those cases, both with the Super League and probably with with West Ham, there weren't processes set in stone which kind of for, for dealing with, with with breaches of rules such as, as as those obviously the problem that Everton have got when trying to defend themselves against this is the you know, the rules have been in place since 2013 so you know they've been signed up to them so what they can't argue is they didn't have knowledge of what they were trying to comply with Dave Max just pulled me up on me maths by the way I was completely wrong when I said it'll effectively be nine it'll be seven won't it if we ended up beating West Ham yeah. so yeah, yeah just to just to clarify <laughs> uh, Chris Evo Goody on YouTube says we have to face it that we're going to get taken for another six at the end of the season and we just have to win games and that's that <laughs> just have to win games yeah fair. I, I mean I think it would I think it would be bad if obviously Evan as it stands I'm trying to keep my head around these numbers as it is so it's yeah so it's six points now because he's got four back if he's got six again for the second one that really would be double jeopardy so I, I don't know about that I'd be feeling pretty grim there because you'd end up with 12 wouldn't you and that'd be more than the original um, sanction so that, that'd be pretty bad but yeah as we said all along because I felt that this team was was good enough to stay up um, regards to the sanction this year it is that case of winning those games that's got to start com- coming now hopefully we get the boost from today's verdict and just start winning those games again because I mean they're capable of it they're not uh, they, you know, they, they're not the, the, the soft touch that they, they were the previous two years I mean it's, it's time for them to start um, showing their metal again at a very basic level though, if you think that six could be the worst case scenario at least Everton have a target then, at least if, if they can, if Everton the starting point can be finished six points above whoever finishes third from bottom and try and finish ahead of Forest in the process. And you would like to, that's probably the closest Everton are going to get to having any degree of confidence at the end of the season that they're not going to go down, they're not going to be As taken in, down by... If if the second charge was six mm, following on from the first, yeah. basically on, on I mean, six, Another six feels like it'd be harsh, as Chris said, it would take it as more severe than... Than, than than the other one, so like you know, I mean, you know, it would, but again, it gives, you know, perhaps talking about things like points totals and where it's been so difficult for so long, trying to give any give anybody anything concrete to aim for, but you know, maybe now you can start to do that and finishing above Forest will be easier now that they've picked up four points on them and have got a better goal difference as well. So, okay, well, I think we'll leave it there. And plenty more to come, I'm sure, this week. I mean, you, you guys did a podcast earlier talking about Brighton. <laughs> it was a pre-recorded podcast, not even live. Um, we had a special guest on, Joe, and we haven't been able to put it out, but we are going to put it out tomorrow. Do you want to just quickly just uh, just talk about that? Obviously, it was reacting to the Brighton game you and Chris went. Yeah, um, what can you say? Incredibly frustrated. Good. Point would have been good at the beginning of the game. Point would have been very good at halftime for Everton really struggled in the first half. Um, but obviously by the time you get to last 10 minutes plus stoppage time, one nil up and playing against 10 men, then, then really you do want to see it out. Uh, understand the frustration over some of the tactics, spoke to Jared Brathwaite after the game, and he said that he felt that Evan kind of played, you know, sat back and almost you know, psychologically, despite having the extra man, they, they went withdrew to, to hold on to the lead and it, it, and it didn't work. Um, but, you know, I do think that asking an Evan side to be more ambitious and to try and start knocking, asking this Evan side to start knocking the ball around the park, even against 10 men, to protect the lead is probably a little bit naive, bearing in mind that we know that we don't like saying this, but we have to be realistic. This isn't a side where its strength is keeping hold of possession. So 
Um, I can kind of understand why Everton did what they did to try to protect the league. Because even though they're playing against ten men, it really was playing to their strengths. Unfortunately, obviously they played, they they you know they they, they paid the cost for allowing Brighton to come on some because they conceded. But even then, it's not like it's not like they didn't create any chances when they were one 0 up or even at one each because both Beto and Harrison still had opportunities to to win the game for Everton and they missed them. So frustrating, yes. Uh, does it feel like two defeats? Was it two draws in a week that feel like two defeats because of the way it unfolded? Yes. Was it two missed opportunities? Yes. But obviously, yeah, wider perspective is still a lot of progress being made with this side. Still two games that they didn't lose. Still two more points on the board. And, you yeah, know, obviously this helps us all now as well. Well, there's a little preview from Joe from tomorrow's pod, which yeah. we're going to put out. Obviously, reaction analysis from the game at the Amex Stadium. I mean, we'll call it a day, but what are we feeling? Are we just, just relieved that the first charge is over? Just relieved that Everton have got points back? Let's let's finish off with just a, a very brief summary of how we're feeling. Yeah, as I said, I'd describe it as as, as a partial um, victory, as, as Joe has uh, indicated there. A lot of those original points were upheld, so it would seem unrealistic to think that they were going to get them them all back so um, I think it absolutely for me it had to be without even knowing the ins and outs of the case for anyone just a layman looking in and from the outside you had to get two points back minimum for me to, to make it lesser than what Portsmouth got to get in administration so to get four back has, has got to be a partial victory and you take whatever you can get and hopefully can be used as some sort of bonus or inspiration to go forward from yeah large, largely agree with, with Chris there I, I think this is a positive day it must have much needed clarity over one of the many issues of uncertainty hanging over Everton Football Club at the minute. Gives us an injection of, of, of momentum to a certain extent that we haven't been able to find on the pitch and it was unclear when that was going to happen. Um, still a degree of frustration with the way in which the club was run, which has left us to this situ- left us in this situation in the first place. Still a degree of frustration with the way in which the Premier League has run this process um, and with some of the uncertainty going forward in relation to the second case. But I think that we've all taken a step forward today. And I think that, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, this is going to be an end to the sleepless nights for the rest of the season, but we'll probably all sleep slightly better for the next few days. So, Well, if you guys are happy, then I'm happy. That's all that matters. <laughs> that's all that matters, because I think if you're being positive, I'm being positive. Okay, well, that's all from today's show. Please remember to hit that and like the subscribe button, Royal Blue Podcast on YouTube, the Echoes Ebbing SC Facebook page for... Um, yeah, and uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the, well, your guys' podcast for the, the Brighton reaction. So, yeah, I've been Ian Kroll, joined by Joe Thomas and Chris Beasley, and this has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.